Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kimmerick with Down to Earth. It's the show in which... We talk about the issues that matter, and today being the 29th of May, a few days after George Floyd was executed and lynched publicly in Minneapolis, here we are today waking up to the news that a CNN reporter, a black CNN reporter, was arrested while on camera, was arrested while on camera. He had identified himself, and he was arrested and led away by the Minnesota State Police and kind of just taken away while on camera, while live reporting. That is not going to go down too well, because on the other side of the street, there was a CNN white reporter who was not arrested. He identified himself, and he was told he was okay, he could stay put, but a black reporter. So they're making a statement that this is about black and white, and they're sticking to their guns that this is about black and white. So the protests in Minnesota are continuing overnight. I mean, there's looting, there, there's fires, buildings set on fire, and so on. While I don't condone violence, and I don't condone violent protests, I agree with people for wanting to protest the death. I don't condone the violence, but at the same time, I think a certain latitude is required. When people feel that they cannot be heard, and when people feel that over time there have been so many black men who have been murdered, by police and have been murdered for just being black. It seems like if you're black, you have a target on your back. It seems to me that there is some level of latitude and understanding that has to be exercised by the wider community. When people post things on Twitter that says, I don't understand why you're looting your own community. Well, can they walk across the street and go across the tracks to your community? Looting is a way of expressing or protesting is a way of expressing that I am fed up, that I can't do this anymore. There is no justice for me. And we got to be careful about the looting in, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, because there are uh, pictorial evidence and video showing that there are white folks who are looting and running away, and they're not getting, there's not going to be any reprisal. But looting is, is it's hard to understand why people loot. It's very, it's very hard to understand it. But the thing we want to focus on is the protest. This started out as a protest, and it's been day five, and still no arrests have been made by the five, the four police officers. You all know that if it were me or you, a member of the public, who had killed a man, whether the man is black or white, they wouldn't have waited for the, 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 the county prosecutor to land charges. Let's just be clear. Now you have somebody like Amy Klobuchar, who is being vetted to be a vice presidential candidate, but she has a history of not uh, uh, clamping down on on this kind of activity in the past. So I guess her vice presidential bid is out of the way, is, is gone. She was 
the Hennepin County prosecutor when one of these incidents took place 18 years ago. So the past has a way of catching up with all of us. And I, I kid you not, it's, it's very emotional and very distressing. And it's emotional because we're watching as people we care about are falling apart or cities are falling apart. People are protesting. And we are watching it and feeling helpless that there is nothing that we can do to stem the violence. We need to come together. We need a voice that unifies us, bring us together, and assures us that justice will be done. We need to hear that voice. We don't need people calling the protesters thugs and that looters will be shot. That, that's a throwback to 1967 when the, Miami, the then Miami mayor threatened that policing would take place in black neighborhoods as a result of racial protests. Here we are 40, 50 years later, and it's the same story all over again. As Bob Marley said, until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned, we're going to have situations like this. So let's just be clear to everybody on, on either side that we have a problem. Let's just acknowledge it. You are wise in that we sit down and we talk about these kinds of issues. You've got to realize that you are going to have a different perspective than mine. You have to understand that to first get what it means to be black if you're constantly marginalized. They told us that it's because black people didn't work. Well, black people start working in different sectors. And guess what? And they're still being, being penalized. Just this morning, how do you explain a black CNN reporter on camera was thrown the cuffs on? He wasn't protesting. He was actually explaining what the police were doing. He was explaining why the police were organized themselves and what they were doing. And they arrested him and let him away. This is crazy, y'all. This is totally nuts. You really think that this is going to help? It's almost as if they're driving it to a, to, to a conclusion so they can justify what next they're going to do. So today I want to talk about something that I, I saw recently, the trial of Amadou Diallo. He was a 21-year-old uh, Guinea, Guinean immigrant from Guinea, West Africa. And he was living in New York City, in fact, in the Bronx. And he was standing in the vestibule of his apartment building when undercover police officers pulled up under Rudy Giuliani, who felt that policing was the way to get rid of crime, under Dinkins, David Dinkins, the first black mayor of, Detroit, of New York, that did go away. Crime did go down. Apparently, they didn't like that too much, right? And so <laughs> they elected Rudy Giuliani in a narrow victory. He won, and he decided that he was going to be aggressive. So he had these police out. He actually had what is called a street crime unit. Well, members of the street crime unit of the New York Police Department were patrolling in an area, saw Amadou. According to them, they say he was reaching for his gun. Turns out the poor kid didn't have a clue as to what a gun is. He was actually reaching for his keys to unlock the door to get into his apartment building. He was shot 41 times. The coroner's report was that his spleen, his kidneys, his liver, his heart, every major organ in his body was perforated. He was shot 41 times. Naturally and obviously, the four police officers got away with murder. 
this case was tried out in the media. It was just 21 years ago. It was in the year 1999 in New York City. In fact, as the trial progressed, the, the, the cops, the whole trial was moved to Albany, the capital of New York, to avoid, because they, they felt that it was too many protests in the city. Was Amadou given any justice? No. His family, his mother, who still lived in Guinea, was invited to New York City as a guest of the city. She ended up just marching with Al Sharpton once she was apprised of what was involved and what was at stake. Not because Al Sharpton is charismatic, but because she had to identify with the color of the skin. Her son was shot because he was black. If he had been a white boy standing inside the vestibule, he would not have been killed. Would he? No, he would not have been killed. He would have been given due process. I'm probably just, hey, man, how's it going? And kept it moving. But because he was, uh, he's a, he was, he's a black, he was a black man. I have to say that. He was a black man. He was. He was a black man, y'all. He was a black man. Because of who he was, he was shot and killed. And he is now in memory. Y'all, are you all hearing what I'm saying? Are you all hearing what I'm saying? We've got to get to the stage where we stop this foolishness. We can't continue to look at the color of people's skin. Why is the police perpetuating this? It's almost as if they want violence to continue as a measure to lock the place down. What are you going to do with the black attorney generals and the black prosecutors across the country? What are you going to do about the, there's not one black governor in the, in the country. What are you going to do about black CEOs? You're going to pull us all over and arrest us all? You're going to throw all black people in jail? Is that what this is going forward to? This is crazy. This is crazy. A black reporter was on camera and was, was arrested while he was doing his job. So you're telling us then that there is no difference because a few weeks ago, a black deliverman in Oklahoma was accosted by whites and the call was made to the police that a trespasser was on their property. So it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what work you do. In Central Park, <laughs> in Central Park, New York, a black man who is a writer for the Marvel comics actually was also told that she was go- that he she was that this woman was going to call the police and tell the police that an African American man was uh, accosting her was threatening her. We have a problem and it's called black and white. Our problem is black and white, and our problem has to go. Our problem is is exactly that it's black and white. So. Amadou Diallo was 23 years old and unarmed when the New York City Police Department fired 41 shots, 19 of which struck the Guinean immigrant. In the ensuing trial, the four officers who fired the 41 shots were all acquitted. Today, the country is reading from the heartless execution of George Floyd, an African-American Minneapolis resident killed by an officer. Even if the officer is brought to trial on murder charges, can we expect that he will actually see jail time? Or will history simply repeat itself and the officer escape any retribution or any justice for his actions? 
That's what we're asking. It was Colin Kaepernick, the former uh, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, who knelt during a playing of the national anthem to call attention to these kinds of killings. He did it peacefully. He was fired. He was blacklisted from the NFL. You said to protest peacefully. Well, we did it peacefully, and nothing came out of it. He did warn us that there was a systemic problem, and we refused to suit. We were like, Cap is just out of there. He's not thinking. He's far away. He's out of touch. What is wrong with people? They're fascists. They're this. They're that. They're just on the fringes. And now here we are. And now here we are. God help us all. God help us all. So now what? Where do we go from here? Well, yesterday, the Detroit police chief seemed to have suggested that policing, effective policing, is community engagement, which is what this practice here in Detroit. In a lot of ways, I think the way you approach someone uh, will mitigate or de-escalate any rising tension that could have existed. For instance, in the Amadou Diallo situation, maybe if the cops had come out of the car and said, hey, show us what you have, or hey, we're police, we're, you know, we're just driving through the neighborhood, what's going on? Instead of just assuming that him looking for his keys was reaching for a gun, why is that always the assumption? When Dylan Roof killed nine people in Charleston, he was given a cup of water to drink by a police officer. He was not shot. There, no assumption was made that he was a killer, even though people, survivors described him. Nothing happened. He was treated with dignity. Whereas when others are picked up, when other when black people are treated immediately, and the assumption is that we're all criminals. Are you going to assume that I'm a criminal too? I'm very concerned because I have to insert myself into the story because I don't know what the outcome could be. I don't know if at any given time I'm traveling around the country and I'm going to be treated just because of the color of my skin as if I'm a criminal and a radical. I don't understand. I, I, I want to know. And the, story, the, the efforts have to be made that this is going on and on and on unabated no justice, and as long as there's no justice, we're going to continue to have issues. Something has to come out of this. Some positivity has to emerge out of this because what people are reacting to is a complete history of violence against people of color. This young man from New Guinea was just, and he was just standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. It could have been any man the color of his skin. It could have been any man who looked like him. But he was shot 41 times. 41 gunshots were fired at him. I still had an issue trying to understand how he must have felt when a barrage of bullets, there were four police officers. So it's like herd, it's, it's like that herd community thing, you know, that herd mentality. One police officer pulled out his gun and started firing. Everybody just started firing at the same target. Did you all just get adrenaline rush? And a rush, hey, man, I got him. Hey, man, you know, it's just working. Hey, man, you just get this nigga down. Is that what was going on? Like no one thought of the person. It's almost as if the dehumanizing of black people is what people are reverting to. That's what they're reacting to. I'm not seen as a person who has a family 
or who has worth. I am seen as a specimen, a piece of garbage, a dog. That's what this is all about. It's the dehumanizing of black people. A white person can work in a check cashing place, but they're described as a contributing citizen because they have a job. A black person doing the same work is still not considered a person. George Floyd was working. He worked near the establishment where he was arrested. He had a job. He had been to college. So that is not the crux of the question. Because in the words of the woman in the Central Park issue, she was trying to assert that she was more important because she was she had a no. It's because she knew the power of the system. She's a Hillary Clinton supporter, by the way. That does not excuse it. Some of the most racist people are white liberals. They're just as racist because racism, as we have found, is purely black and white. When it comes right down to it, a white person who is a bleeding heart liberal will still call the police on a black person if they feel at any time that their whiteness is being attacked. If they feel that they're going to lose their privilege, they will assert their white privilege in that moment and call the police. Every bleeding heart liberal has done that. So that is not, it, it's not, well, she's a liberal. Would, no, that has nothing to do with it. I'm telling you right now, this is crazy. This is a very, this is a catalytic moment that we're in. Because the culmination of all of these people, Amadou Diallo, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor was an EMT who was killed in her home while she was asleep in a case of what the police say. Well, we thought her and her her boyfriend was involved in drugs, and they knew right away that that wasn't so, but they still shot her up and killed her. We were watching all of this happening. So people are sitting back and looking at it like, wow, every black man in America today is unnerved and on edge. Because you don't know when it's going to, you're going to get that phone call that it's your son, your brother, your nephew, your friend, someone you went to college with. I can assure you that in Christian Cooper's case, the gentleman involved in the uh, Central Park issue, I can assure you with everything in me that him and his family and his community never imagined that they would hear that he was going to, the police were ever going to be called on him, simply by the fact by where he lived, his educational status, and his social status. I can assure you, none of those things played out or impacted him or prevented the woman in Central Park from calling the police. None of those things would have. In fact, we saw it evident the very next day when George Floyd was murdered. He did go to college. He did go to Texas A&M. So hello, somebody. And yet still, he was treated as if he did not matter. My friends, we have a problem. It's called black and white. The problem we have is judging people by the color of their skin. The problem we have is looking at black people and immediately using age-old racist thoughts and ideologies to attribute to them. We elected a black man as president, and he was treated like garbage. He was treated with disrespect. He was treated as if he were a second-class citizen in his own country. His mother was a white woman from Kansas, yet still he was treated badly internationally and, low and nationally. 
And we thought that, okay, if we elected a black man, maybe this was going to change things. It changed nothing. They made sure they organized the political system to make sure nothing was achieved. And yet still, at the local level, they continue to kill black people. They continue to lock up black people. All across the country, majority of the prison population are black, men and women alike. All across the country, black people are profiled and locked up without impunity, as if we're not human beings. There it is, right behind me. There. A black CNN reporter was arrested on camera for doing nothing just because of the color of his skin. He had the microphone. He had a crew of people around him. They still arrested him. The police wanted to make a statement. It doesn't matter who you are. As long as you're black, we're going to arrest you. That's the statement. They apologized to CNN. An apology? What the hell is an apology? What are you apologizing for? Did you apologize to Mr. Jimenez? He was doing his job. And yet still, just like Amadou Diallo, I looked at the trial of, of him. And when I looked at the trial, it became evident that not even the prosecutor who presented the case, they didn't present a picture of who Amadou was. They never said, they said he was a Guinean immigrant. That's all they said about him, that he was a street peddler. They didn't say where he came from. His mother was in the courtroom. She was never put on the stand. They never put his family or members of his community on the stand to humanize him and to give some presence of who he was. The trial was focused only on the four police officers, that they were the epitome of what the society was about. They were pure and nothing was wrong. The man must have been a criminal for them to fire 41 shots. Nobody talked about the victim. It's the same thing with George Floyd. Now, people are saying George Floyd was a victim. He was a victim. He's still dead. All the protests are not going to bring him back, but hopefully, hopefully, out of all of this, we're going to look inward at ourselves and recognize that we have to change. And while I know that there are people who say, well, I empathize with you and and so on. I need more than your empathy. I need you to stand up. I need you to call for change. That racism has got to stop. We have to stop judging people by color. We have to judge people by the content of their character and who they are. It's not enough to continue judging people simply because they exist. We have to judge people by who they are, not by what they look like. Not by who you look like, but by who you are. It's much like the same marginalization exists in insurance in Michigan. If you're black and your zip code, they charge you more for insurance than they charge somebody else. They charge you based on your occupation. They give you a wide set of facts that they use none of which are relevant to the fact, to your driving record. If you're buying insurance, like in other states in the country, it should be based on your driving record, on who you are, but not, and not on what you are. Omar Jimenez was arrested. He has become a new symbol. His face, he's black. If you don't believe me and you are white, put on blackface and go walking in the community. Just do that. Put on blackface and go walking in the community. And you'll see how fast they call the cops on you. 
They'll say a black man was just trying to hold up a place, even when you were doing nothing. You don't believe me? Try it. And then when you go down to the jail after they arrest you, wipe the black face off. You will find out that that's what it is. We've got to stop. So in this story about Amadou Diallo, the trial, uh, Al Sharpton recognized had to take place in the media, the court of public opinion, much like what we're seeing right now. The court of public, public opinion is weighing heavily on the, the U.S. attorney and the district attorney, the mayor, and the governor. The court of public opinion is saying something has to be done for people to feel relieved that there is some justice. Because when you look at the video, the video, it's a whole 10-minute video. It's too disturbing to watch. After, after a couple of minutes, I was done. The police officer knelt on the man's neck for 4.5 minutes. Even when the EMTs came, he would not take his knee off the man to release him from police custody into the EMT so they could uh, provide life-saving mechanisms. He was dead. He was unresponsive when he was loaded into the ambulance, and he remained unresponsive. When people look at that, there is clear evidence that the man's civil rights were violated and that something has to be done. We can't continue to let this violence tear our society apart. It's, none of us are going to be winners here. The violence is, we are not going to be winners because there is this under that this is about black and white. And as long as that undercurrent exists, it's going to affect and color everything that we do. It's going to impact the delivery of service. It's going to impact how people go to college, where they study, what they do. It's going to impact how people conduct their daily lives. Right now, there are black families who have gathered their sons and are telling them how to proceed because there's a target on their backs. People are talking about this. This kind of heightened tension cannot continue. There is no reason for it. It was always wrong to judge people based on the color of their skin. It was wrong 500 years ago, and it's wrong today. It was wrong 600 years ago. It's wrong today. There is no justification. You know it's wrong. Stop doing it. We elected a black man as president who has no criminal record, went to two Ivy Leagues, and you still hated him. You didn't hate him because he was uneducated. You didn't hate him because he didn't have a record of community engagement. You didn't hate him because he had never been to prison. You hated him because of the color of his skin. You hate every black person because of the color of their skin. You resent that maybe sometimes I think, I don't know, because Today, I'm thinking that sometimes maybe our presence as black people is an affront to white people because we remind them of the history of the past, so they feel that they have to continue to suppress us so we never rise up and take over completely. Sometimes I think that's what it is about. I don't know what else to think. But whatever it is, the rule of law does not seem to prevail. In situations like this, they like to tell us that the rule of law will prevail. Now they have the FBI investigating. Okay, what is the FBI going to do? In the end, it is the county prosecutor. I can convince you right now, he's not going to charge them with murder because he issued a statement saying, well, while it seems that there were criminals 
uh, charges, criminal uh, behavior happening, it also seems that there was nothing criminal going on. Believe me, it's going to err on the, on, on the right of the police. Trust me. He's not going to be criminally charged. None of the police officers are going to be criminally charged. The county prosecutor is not going to do it. Part of what has kept this going is the prosecutors and the police. Maybe the prosecutors are afraid of, 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 of the police. Maybe they, you know, because everybody does things. Maybe they have pictures of them maybe doing stuff they shouldn't do. Maybe they drive while under the influence or they have a wayward child. Whatever the issue is. The prosecutor is not going to bring charges against this man. They're not going to bring charges. And maybe the protesters know, and so they're fired up in anticipation that no charges will be brought and no justice will be served. And George Floyd would be erased from our memory as just another black person who was killed while black. That's all it comes down to. And we've got to take a stand and make a sound because this cannot continue. It just simply cannot be. It cannot happen and it cannot be. We've got to be conscious and recognize the very country that you say you love because sometimes I think some of us think people, some people think they love America more than others. The country that you say you love is being torn apart. You know, it was a former president who said the only way America can be destroyed is internally. That's what you're doing. You're contributing to the demise. You're tearing the country apart by not saying the police officer was wrong. He needs to be held accountable. The governor, the attorney general of the state of Minnesota, they should have said this man needs to be arrested. They should have said something needs to be done right now just to calm the public. But they're not. They're like, let the investigation continue. There is no investigation. They're giving the police officers time. They're fired, so they don't even have to be in Minnesota. They can go to another state. They can go to Wisconsin. They can go to Idaho. (laughs) They can go anywhere. And when you look at the long history, you begin to realize that there is a history of racial violence. Look at Amadou Diallo. How do you think that community must have felt when 41 shots were fired at one person who was not robbing a bank? He was not, let's just, he wasn't robbing a bank. He wasn't putting it out there. He wasn't stealing. He wasn't firing a gun. He was just being a person. It's called living while black, working while black, driving while black. Studying while black, hey, drinking coffee while black, sitting in a Starbucks while black. All of this is racial violence. And when black people stand up and speak up, there ought to be an understanding and silence of why. And I say this to all people of color because people of color are, are, are other people of color are standing on the sidelines and you're watching. What you don't understand is that it's going to be you one day. They're just giving you enough time to sit here. One day the tables are going to turn. And you think the same way. You think that, okay, if we become engineers and doctors and we integrate into suburban spaces, they won't turn on you. They're planning to. It's just a matter of time. 
it's just going to happen. It's only a matter of time. So most people of color are like, I don't want to be involved in it. They're shooting black people. Let them shoot black people. I don't want them to start on me. It's only a matter of time. Until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned, until that philosophy is disbanded, discredited, and abandoned and erased from the ideology and from the philosophy of thinking and executing and governing until that philosophy is disbanded and abandoned. We're going to continue to have profiles, profiling of black people who are just living while black. I'm a black person myself. I have black male relatives. Do you think I'm not on edge? My brother just moved to South Carolina. I, I can't begin to tell you how distressed I was. I was worried about him. I did reach out to I told him, I said, why on God's green earth would you? With no context. He just thinks he's a free person. He's a professional. He's going to move somewhere else where he felt like he liked. He said, it's warmer. I'm tired of winters in Maryland and New York. I got to go. What if I get a phone call or a text one day about something happening to my brother? I don't want to think about it. I have brothers in other states. I have male family members in New York and all over the country. What if I get a text that, look, this happened? I have nephews. My God in heaven. Okay? We've got to understand (laughs) this cannot continue. I have friends who are black. I am now... Seriously looking at them like, is it going to be you next? My daughters have young male friends. I am looking at them as if I'm like, oh, dear God, please do not drive around in a car with too many of you. Please do not do anything. Please, dear God, because of who they are, not because they're doing anything. They're just living. They're just being a teenager. Teenagers do what teenagers do. They drive around. They like to party. They drive with their music on. They want to go to the mall and profile in the latest clothes they're wearing or whatever. Why should there be a distinction? Why should they not live? We've got a problem and we need to address it. We've got a problem. And the problem we have is racial violence. The problem we have is the assertion that as a black person, no matter who you are, no matter what you do for a living, no matter what your educational status is, that racial that race is the primary factor and the primary determining factor in determining whether you will have justice, whether you'll be treated fairly, whether you will even receive medical care in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of a virus. Racial your race is going to determine if you're going to be walking to a healthcare facility and told that it's all in your head and go home. Race determines that you walk into a doctor's office and tell them you're feeling pains in your chest and they tell you you just need to take an aspirin and go home while you're a prime candidate for a heart attack. Race is what determines how you are treated, not just in the movie theater, but in the hospital theater, in the operating room. Race is what determines how you're treated in boardrooms across America. Race is what determines how you're treated in classrooms and lecture halls across the country. This violence and this depiction and this study on race 
this portrayal of people that they're not good because of the color of their skin has to stop until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned has got to stop. This philosophy that people are no better than the color of their skin, this philosophy that people are no better than whom they, what they look like, this philosophy has got to stop. My friends, this has got to stop. Amadou Diallo was just an immigrant. He was standing in the vestibule of his apartment complex and he was shot and murdered. 41 shots were fired. This happened 21 years ago. Watching the media outplay of this. He was tried in the media as nobody. He was just an immigrant. Look at what they said about him. Look at the messaging. You're just an immigrant. You're nobody. That's the messaging. You're an immigrant. You're nobody. That means you're nothing. As if the country was not built by immigrants. As if everybody who lives here except the Native Americans are not descendants of immigrants. But he was depicted as having no place here. He doesn't have a right to be here. He shouldn't be here. That's the thing. He's occupying a space that is not his in the first place. That's how he was presented. Being constantly dehumanized is what I am talking about. Being constantly set upon just because of who I am, that I am nobody. Code God Almighty. We've got to stop and come to some sense of responsibility that our words and our rhetoric mean something. Come on, people. You call yourselves leaders. Where are the pastors today? Where is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King today? Where is the Reverend Al Sharpton? Where are the people like Andrew Young? Where are they? Where's the John Lewis's of today? They're sitting in their mansions and watching people of their own color being gunned up in the streets. Like we are nothing, like we are nobodies, like we are not human, like 41 shots being fired into a human body does not mean anything. Like kneeling on a man's neck and cutting off his oxygen is not murder. Murder is murder, no matter who commits it. Murder is still murder. Black people are being murdered and killed like dogs and pigs in the streets. Come on, America, wake up. Wake up and realize we've got to stop this rampant, rabid violence. Stop the violence. Stop the hatred. I've been talking about this for more than 10 years. I've been saying this random hatred and this random violence is not going anywhere good, that it's going to lead to something and nobody paid attention. People went on about their lives like George Floyd was not a human being. Amadou Diallo was not a human being. Trayvon Martin was not a human being. Breonna Taylor was not a human being. We are not going to forget these are people. These were human beings. They're no different than their ancestors who were killed in cotton fields and cane fields. In all the fields of the South, they were murdered and lynched and their bodies bruised, battered and thrown into pits and dog holes like they were not human. Dehumanized as if it doesn't matter. As if they're not human. And this philosophy continues to persist to this day. They tell us to be nonviolent. Colin Kaepernick kneeled. What did that do? He was fired. Martin Luther King marched. He was killed. Malcolm Evers spoke up. Malcolm X spoke up. He was killed. Medgar Evers spoke up. 
he was killed. John Lewis March, luckily he's still here. He was arrested. He's still here. Elijah Cummings spoke up. He died in a hospital room. Come on, people. Tell me. Barack Obama became president. We thought that would change. He became a figurehead. He was just a pasting on the rubber stamp of America. Nothing fundamentally changed. You see now why we have to change the system? We thought if we moved people, changed the figurehead, that that would eliminate the problem. We elected a black man as president. It didn't change it because it's the system. It's systemic oppression. It's institutionalized slavery. It's institutionalized racism that is so systemic in its application that it will arrest a black man on worldwide TV. That image is going to be played over and over again. A black reporter in America. America used to make a big noise about this happening in other countries. But you arrested a black man while he was reporting in Minneapolis. Sometimes we allow our prejudice to so overcome us, we don't think of the ramifications of our actions. Do you think that police officer thought about what the long-term consequences of his actions were, would be going forward after he arrested a black man on TV? Do you think he thought about it? Because he's blinded by the fury and he thinks he's right because he's white. He told the white reporter on the other side of the street was told he could stay where he was. But a black man with CNN cameras was arrested. That's what you call trial by media. That's what is called trial by media. This young black man, Omar Jimenez, who is a CNN reporter, was tried by media right there in front of us. George Floyd was lynched right there in front of us. The people who witnessed it while they were filming it, they watched that live. That was a lynching. The continued lynching and violence has to stop America, stop the violence. Put the guns down. Stop the violence. Stop the picturizing of black people, dehumanizing of black people. Stop it. Stop judging people by the color of their skin. The woman in Central Park judged that man by the color of his skin. That's what she did. She was responding to age-old myths that black people are no good. She's a bleeding-heart liberal. She's a Hillary Clinton supporter and everything. Now you really have to question it. Maybe she really wasn't. Maybe she had undertones. But this we have found is evident that when it comes right down to it, it's black and white. And a lot of people of color are standing on the sidelines saying, I don't have a, a, a bone in this fight. You will find out. The Native Americans gave up their land. That was their story. That was their contribution. That's the price that they paid. What is going to be your price going forward? If you think that it is going to stop here, it's not. Pretty soon, they're going to look at you too and ban you in as people of color. It's just because they don't understand it yet. They're still blinded by their fury that black people actually got away from being enslaved. 
in the South. But when they wake up and they realize it, it's only a matter of time before all the jail. Right now, even now, the jails are filled with black and brown people all the time. When you go to court in America, in any courtroom, the prosecutors are always white and the defendants are always black and brown. It chills me. I don't, it's one of the places in the country that I never feel comfortable in the society going to. When I see it, it gives me the chills. Right? This seems to have been the logic. Apparently, apparently, what was he doing broadcasting, right? He has no right to broadcast anything against anybody. Who, they locked up, arrested and put cuffs on a black reporter. That's what you call trial by media. Go look up the story of Amadou Diallo. Just Google him and you will see shot 41 times in the vestibule of his apartment building and nobody, the police officers were acquitted. I believe that we're going to see the same thing with George Floyd. I don't believe there are the charges filed against these police officers. And in it, even if they are, just like in the Amadou Diallo case, where the charges were structured in such a way that the jury had no leeway, the prosecutor didn't give them any reason to lock up the four police officers. It was not justified. It was, there was no reason. So they had no choice but to. They let them go. Right? This is sad. We need to come together. We need to understand. And we need to work at our own issues. We have issues with being black and white. That's our issue. The issue is black and white. It's clear as day. That's the issue. And until we recognize that that's the issue and work at resolving that issue, there are going to be more George Floyds and more Omar Jimenez and more people. My name is Harriet Kimmock. Thank you for joining me. This has been another episode of Down to Earth. Make sure you listen to our podcast on other platforms. Thank you so much for being a part of our experience this morning. I'm so grateful you took the time to be with us. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.